Yeehaw Junction, episode number four. Great to have you with us alongside Ricky Mass, Ben Ingram here with you. And we are in that fun time as we record this in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So we've been busy. We got a lot going on, but we had an opportunity to sit down and knock out our fourth episode. And we got a lot to get to, Rick. And uh, yes, we do. first and foremost, though, I, I, I got to dive into the news that I know you're excited about. I'm excited about. We'll get to our topic in just a moment. That'll be coming up. And we'll get through our normal show prep like we talk about and tease next week or, or next episode and all that. But you had a very special Thanksgiving and you have some very special news. So without any further ado, the floor is yours. Ben, I have finally been able to produce another human being that I can um, infect is the wrong word. Uh, I'm going to download all of my musical loves and interests and theories onto my first uh, child, a daughter that's coming uh, next June. That is so cool. So me and, and over Thanksgiving, you got to tell the family and everything. Got to go home, tell the family, got to tell my parents that uh, they're going to have their first grandchild, got to tell my wife's parents, Laura, got to tell them that they're going to have uh, their first grandchild. Uh, it'll be the first niece or nephew for my sisters, for Laura's brothers, first great grandchild on Laura's side. Uh, we are, we're beyond excited. It's pretty cool. That so, is so cool. So I'll tell you, um, and I, this is the Yeehaw Junction podcast. And obviously you and I are two friends who just talk about music when we're not working for the Braves during the season, uh, doing our baseball thing. So naturally music is such a part of my life that even in this whole process of learning, I was going to become a dad. Uh, and then everything that's come with it, music has been part of it so far. So let me, let me, let me back up to, so I found out I was going to be a dad. Uh, Laura told me, or actually she got these fake, uh, like lotto tickets, uh -huh. scratch off tickets, which she's very smart with her money, watches every penny, very frugal in a very responsible manner, I should say. But one thing, she'll buy some scratch off tickets every now and then. She's just for fun. If she's at the store, she'll grab a few and like, you know, she'll grab a couple for her, a couple for me or one for each of us or something like that. So I came home after game 162 and uh, she said, hey, I got a couple uh, scratch off tickets. There's yours on the counter. I went, OK, cool. And I started scratching it off. And uh, funny thing was I was scratching it off in the font, like the numbers like you have on a lotto ticket. They were like a different font, but like in bold and really easy to read. And I was sitting there going and she taped all this, too. So it's it's on it's on her phone. It's on record. I'm sitting there going, man, this is the easiest to read like lotto ticket I've ever seen. <laughs> they should make them all this way. Yeah. Like uh, this must be a new font. This is cool. And then I got down to the bottom and there's like the little icon you scratch off like it matches your lucky icon at the top so that means you win it's like oh i won so then you scratch off the prize and when i scratched off the prize it said we're having a baby that's brilliant so it was great so i looked up at her and you know it was it was a incredible moment so so then you know you find that out and then you got to start scheduling doctor's appointments and all that so we went to the doctor's office uh, for the first time and uh we ended up being there for a couple hours because it was meeting the doctor for the first time and Poor Laura has to have all these tests. They're taking blood. They're poking and prodding and, you know, all the, all the stuff that goes along with it. So right. we were there for a while. Uh, those doctors, great office is great. Like we're just really happy with all of that. Um, so we were there for a couple of hours though, and we're going from one room to another and then we'd be in the waiting room for a while and whoever, whatever playlist, whatever music service they were using, they were killing it. They were doing it really. And it was going from like, it would go from like uh, an ACDC song to Michael Jackson, to, well, Alan Jackson. Like, it was as if I had made the friggin' playlist for right. this thing. 
Uh, so that was cool. So I was like, that gave me good vibes about the doctor. I'm like, that means <laughs> when I'm hearing an ACDC song in the doctor's office, that yeah. means we're in the right place, honey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we go back in the, uh, the last stop was to get the first sonogram where you get the picture and all that. Right. And so the music's still playing in there. Now we have talked every week. You and I now talk about this, not on this show, just in texting the Yeehaw Junction effect, which uh-huh. we, we established the first week on this show, which is in its purest form, I think, as we define it, is a song you were previously aware of. And then you hear the artist play it live or maybe an art, another artist covers it live and it gives you a new appreciation for the song. Right. Your love or liking of the song increases. Then there's this other offshoot that we're going to have to name. And I've touched on it before. I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago when we, you know, as as, as you probably already know, if you're listening to this, Ben and I both work with the Braves, Ben is a broadcaster, me in marketing and social media, uh, the 2021 world series, there were a couple songs that played before game one in Houston that I, I still, to this day, I'm never going to sit, the, I'm never going to look them up and listen to them. Um, like you heard them in the stadium, but they played right before first pitch in the minutes okay. leading up to it. And I was taking a moment to stop what I was doing and kind of soak it all in. Just look around. I looked around the uh, minute Maid park and was just, just was so busy working that I just kind of stopped. And there were a couple songs that played. And, um, uh, that song is out like 15, 20 years ago. Let it rock. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. with the one hit wonder yeah, and yeah. Lil Wayne. I don't know if he's a one hit wonder. I'm never going to sit here and add that song to my playlist or right. listen to it. But for the rest of my life, whenever I hear that song, I'm going to flash back in my head to game one in Houston. Uh, so that's not the pure Yeehaw Junction effect, but it's some sort of offshoot of it. Right. So I had that offshoot happen um, when I saw the sonogram. So I look up and um, at the at the monitor and there she is. There's my child for the first time. And I hear the heartbeat for the first time. Uh-huh. And I'm going to tell you, it was like talk about the emotion. I mean, it was it was coming over. me. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and the song that was playing is an artist that I don't dislike. You and I are both. We, we talk on the show about music we love. We've probably hinted at our, our thoughts on modern country music. <laughs> uh, this artist is not one of the ones that I, I hate or anything like that. He's right. got some songs that I'm like, he's very, very, he's immensely popular, but he's got some that I'm like, all right, that, that could fit in like my 90s music. Like, um, this is not one of the songs. I knew this song by him. Never really dug it. It's Luke Combs. Uh, but Luke Combs, Beautiful Crazy, was playing in the room. That's probably not a song I'm ever going to like add or like listen to or right. love. But for the rest of my life now, if I ever happen to hear that song, I'm going to think that's when I heard my child's heart. Oh, that's cool. So that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, and I also had this weird, I don't know how to describe it. I've been trying to tell people this. I don't know how to describe it up until that moment. Like you could sit there and just say, Oh, I think it's going to be a boy. I think it's going to be a girl. You don't have any damn idea. You're just guessing. When I saw, when I, heard the heartbeat for the first time. It was like this overwhelming thing came over me that I just said, it's a girl. And we were, we didn't find out till the next appointment. So we were still a couple of weeks away from even knowing. It just uh, came in your mind or you just, it was like something, to, it was like something took over my whole body and spirit and just instantly knew that, that this was my daughter. Wow. It was very weird. So in, in a cool way, it was weird. But so anyways, uh, I probably went longer with that story than I intended to, but for the rest of my life, I hear that song. I'm going to flash right back to that moment. What did Laura think about it being boy or girl? She thought it was going to be a boy. So, and Ricky's at, right again. My entire family thought <laughs> everybody said boy. I even said at Thanksgiving, I took, progr- I took predictions and I went around the room and I was like, well, Laura thinks it's going to be a boy. I said, my sisters, I was like, Katie, what do you think? Boy. 
Sarah, boy. Mom said boy. Dad said boy. And I said, you know what? This is me against the world. This yeah. is just how I like it. Bring it on. And sure enough, I was right. That's so, so cool. All right. So we had that. Now, the first thing I bought was uh, went to the, the clubhouse store at Truist Park the next morning, bought a little Braves jersey for us. That's the first thing my child owned. The second thing that I bought... I think I, I think I told you about this, but I figured I'd show it to you. Show and tell. I know this is y'all can't see this, but got the uh, <laughs> <laughs> my daughter has a Metallica onesie That's already. Amazing. And I will tell you this: in the last twenty five years, me being the Metallica super fan that I have, I have spent some time on the store section of Metallica.com. Yeah. So there's a lot of T-shirts, a lot of clothing for all ages on there. This was obviously in the kids and babies uh, section, and it had this particular one. Metallica babies. Metallica babies. <laughs> Metallica babies. Uh, had a note under it that none of the others had, and it said, shirt designed by James Hetfield. Really? Which I had already picked it out, and I was like, huh. Hetfield himself actually made the drawing for this one, so that was kind of cool. Now, here's the other thing that you folks can't see that I'm going to show Ben. Now, I bought this right away, and then it occurred to me that it's going to be years before I actually even give this to, to my, my daughter. But I did find this book, and I think it could be, we could probably pull topics from this at some point. Uh-huh. It's called Music I Want My Kids to Know. There are 80 prompts in here, and you go through, and you write out by hand. Read me an example. All right. The album that I can listen to from start to finish without skipping a track is, and then you fill and it you in. And you fill it in. And then you write a a. If you want whatever notes or descriptions you want about it, um, let's see. That is so cool. Let's well, see. well, and to the point where not only cool that you get to do it, but the fact that that not only she would be able to read this, but maybe one day her kids could read it. Do yep. you know what I would do if my grandfather had a book like that oh. that I could flip through and yeah and discover what he was listening to or what he enjoyed or or even for my dad for that matter? And four seconds to ask him some of those things, but. Um, I'm not trying to put you in the dirt or anything like that, but no, I think no. about like my grandfather, like, man, it'd be so cool to have that passed down through your family. Yeah, that is absolutely, that was absolutely part of my thinking of this is it comes back to the reason you and I are doing this show. Nobody's paying us to do this. We don't have to do this. We're doing this because we both love music. Right. We like talking to each other about it. It's that simple. Uh, I love music so much and I want whatever, like the generations or the, the folks that are going to have a piece of me that I'm going to leave here yeah. behind me. I want them to know that part about me, or at least know that about me. But more importantly, I hope it has some impact on them. Or at least I hope that if I answer all 80 questions in this book, maybe my daughter, if, if Laura and I have other kids, or maybe my daughter's son or daughter's daughter will look at that and they'll be like, oh, what, what, what is I mean, I don't know. We're talking like 50 years from now. Like, right. what, what is Led Zeppelin? Right. You know, what's Leinard, Skynard? What is that? Like, <laughs> and then maybe they'll, that's the little, it's like the gateway, the gateway drug that gets because them into it, the good it, stuff. It's not just knowledge of something. It, it's a, it's a, a treasure map to discover. Oh yeah. Because it, you're not just reading about those things. It's going to prompt you to say, well, let me go listen to these guys. Let me go listen to this, this guy or this girl or this band or whomever, this song and know that my father, grandfather, great-grandfather, et cetera, was into this. I think that would be really cool. Oh, I, I think so. So I, I I stumbled upon that book. I was Well, I didn't stumble. I was looking for something like it, not knowing if it existed, and I found that. And and so it's it'll be a cool thing that I can pass along. And 
And again, also it's, it's handwritten and there's a, there's a lot, there's 80 in there. 80 questions. There's 80, 80 and you fill it out, 80 prompts, and then you can write notes about each one. And then there's, it's divided into sections. And at the end of each section, there's pages of empty notes where you can just write whatever it is you want yeah. about that section and what the, cause all the prompts kind of have a, a theme together. So, um, so it's something for me selfishly too, that I can work on as I go. Cause as you'll I, enjoy doing it. I'm going to enjoy doing it for the next however many years. Cause we're, I mean, uh, this is how clueless I am as a father. I don't know when kids start reading. I'm going to guess it's at least a few years. I have years. no idea. If my kid I don't even can, know when they start speaking. Yeah, yeah. If, if my kid can, she's due June 1st. If she's reading this book in July, then I really got something <laughs> special on my head. It's time to retire. It's, yeah, I think we're. I think I'll, uh, I'll I'll have a lot more free time on my hands because I'm going to be I'm gonna be partying with my new friends, <laughs> as Ron White said. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, that's that's what's going on with it's me. So I, exciting. I think one thing we're gonna as we as this show goes on, uh, we're gonna have a topic. But I like the at the top of each show, whatever music stuff's been going on in our yeah. lives. I think yeah. it's fun to catch up. That's on. right. And that was kind of a big one for me. That so. is a really really big one. Thank you. Thank Very you for good. indulging me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like we said, this is episode four, and this topic is our favorite Texas artists. And when we were doing this. The quote that came to my mind, and I know you and I are going to have lots of similarities with our answers, um, but the Waylon Jennings song, Bob uh, Bob Wills is still the king. He has the quote, you just can't live in Texas unless you've got a lot of soul. That's what came to me. And I thought there's so many great Texas artists, and it's not just uh, country Western music. There are multiple genres that are uh, represented. That said, I don't think any of us are going to have... Beyonce or anything like that. If you came for that, you're probably in the wrong place. Nothing against the talented Beyonce. I yeah. just don't know that we have. I don't think he's in my top five from Texas. But Beyond, neither Beyonce nor Destiny's Child made my list. Right. Uh, by the way, how many? How many do you have? By the way. So what I I've got eighteen, but I've got one, oh, two, crap. three, four, five, six. I've got seven that I really wanted to highlight, okay. just because without those people, the other long list of honorable mentions probably don't happen. Okay. Um, All right. So I've so got, I, I don't have Selena or, <laughs> or, or destiny's child, but great behind the music. That's yeah. Selena episode. Yeah. Not uh, well, I was JLo's first like starring role too. I think Did you ever see that movie, Selena? No, I think I, I think we watched that it. was her first. I don't know if it was her lead. first one. She was, it was early. It was very early on. Okay. I think we might've watched it in Spanish class in high school or something. Nice. I don't know. Going yeah. back. I was, uh, I, Still am a, a fan of J-Lo. You and me both, brother. Big fan of J-Lo. She's not from Texas, is she? I don't think if so. She's, if she is, rearrange the list. If she is, then I, I have a late addition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and before we dive in, I want to um, give you the tease for our next episode. Episode five will be, this will be a lot of fun because th- these are, this is a list of things that we're not choosing. This is a, a list that was chosen for us. Next, uh, t- a topic will be top 10 songs the day you were born, which I, I can't wait for you is what? 83 June 27th, 83. I, I've already, uh, I'm not going to give any analysis. I already went ahead and looked and this is I'm not going to look at yours either. I know you're like, I know your, your birth. I'm not going to look cause I want you to yeah, just yeah. reveal it to me. So likewise, uh, it, we're going to have a lot of fun, at least for my <laughs> list. We're going to have a lot of fun. Well, you're 83. I'm 80. So it's going to be March yeah. of 1980 for me. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Probably some people we've never heard of in our lives. Yes. Uh, I would hope anyway. So we get to look at who is this guy? I look him up and okay. He was, we're going to go down some rabbit holes. It'll be good. That'll be good. Sorry. So I have, 
I've I've six that I'd say I was like, yeah, all of these need to be mentioned, and I mm-hmm. have a seventh that he's kind of the honorable mention, I yeah. guess. But so I've got seven, and that that was that's where I landed. There there okay. are certainly others, but I just I that's because it's I'd one landed. of those things. I just start going. I'm like, well, I don't want to not say this guy's name. It might just be where I just mention their name, but I just at least want them mentioned mm-hmm. um, on the show. And and I have a feel uh, that we'll have. Several of the same answers. So with that said, let me just start with the most obvious. If you've listened to the first three episodes of this show, you know that Ricky and I both have a deep love for Waylon Jennings. I already mentioned him uh, in the quote to set this show up. And I think when I when I think of Texas artists and I specifically think of country music and if you and I had a, and, and I hate this cliche, but a, a Mount Rushmore, if you will, if we had a, a Hall of Fame of our own favorite musicians, he would be one of the first busts in the door. He'd be on that mountain of Mount Rushmore musicians. I don't think there's any doubt about that and how he's one of our favorites of all time. So if we start there, Waylon Jennings, Littlefield, Texas. I've actually passed through Littlefield, Texas before. I got into an automobile accident about 10 miles outside of Littlefield. And, and I'd like to think that the, the spirit of Waylon protected me uh, as I was going down this interstate and the Texas Highway Patrol had to come out. Uh, Littlefield police, when I called 911, they're the ones who responded. So I didn't want to be there on the side of this dark highway in between Littlefield and Lubbock, Texas. But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, this is kind of cool. I have to add, did the cop when he came up, did he ask you? Son, don't you think this hell of this? Sorry. If, if <laughs> that had happened, I'd have fallen out. <laughs> uh, Mr. Ingram, are you sure Hank done it this way? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we that, that's a great place to start, I feel. Yeah, the, obviously, he was definitely on my list, too. Um, out of like our top seven, I was trying to think how many are we going to have the same, and I three is the lock of the century and i dare say it'll be four hell yeah. i don't know it could be five or six what is i'm looking at it here but yeah Waylon is um i don't it's like almost the word Waylon in of itself should just be that's like it sometimes it's like all you need to say is Waylon, right like he is he's an american icon texas icon clearly my love for him it comes from my dad i mean that's that's where it starts with me and everything you think about like what's the good country music kind of music that you and I love, the kind of country music that you and I love, at least everything from the seventies. And I know Waylon started before that, but the outlaw era is where yeah. that was the, that was the good stuff. The sweet spot, as far as I'm concerned, uh, he did stuff before that. I loved, he did stuff after that in the eighties. I liked a lot, but to me, a lot of artists that I enjoy listening to now, artists that have come and gone since Waylon, it all like it's like it's like the like the tree like it all spawns from Waylon and right. a lot of these singer songwriters that I love that I don't even know if some of them you even classify as country. There's some connection to Waylon mm-hmm. somehow. Even uh, you know, like my love of Metallica, James Hetfield. You know, about twenty years ago, I think Shooter Jennings, Waylon's son, who is another artist I I very much have enjoyed over the years organized a um a tribute album with a bunch of different mostly country artists doing cover songs as a tribute to Waylon and then James Hetfield was randomly on there and did a a Metallica-esque cover of Don't Y'all Think This Alabit's Done Got a Hand and I remember then then CMT did like a, a special um where a lot of these artists came out and sang these songs live and I remember I think my mom even commented on it she goes how cool is that that your hero is 
sitting here singing one of your dad's hero songs yeah, like as a tribute cool. and they're completely different types of music right but at the same time i think the spirit of it is so similar that there's just whether you like Waylon's music or not i don't know how you couldn't love the spirit of it uh-huh. and what he's symbolizing he's so. the embodiment of that yeah if you ask me and, and texas music to me and i'm not going to sit here and claim i'm an expert on it but i feel like texas has its own like a lot of other things not just in pop culture, but in politics or whatever, Texas is almost its own. I hesitate to say nation, but like its own state of mind and its own little country in a way. And it has its own, it definitely has its own music scene and it has for a long time. Yeah. There's a lot of red dirt, you know, about 15, 20 years ago, I got heavily into red dirt country uh-huh. and I still very much enjoy a lot of those artists. One artist that I, that I, they're Oklahoma, they're an Oklahoma band. Um, and I know I'm going to talk about them a lot on a future episode, cross Canadian ragweed. Um, I, I wanted to lump them into this one just cause I feel like their music is like Texas music, but they are definitely Oklahoma. So I, yeah. I couldn't, but yeah. Uh, Waylon, Waylon Arnold Jennings, by the way, I didn't know till I was, uh, I was reading up on Waylon for this. Maybe I'd heard this before and forgot it. I don't know. I didn't realize his birth name was actually Wayland. And then he, it was changed to Wayland uh-huh. early on. I read that and I was like, oh, how about that? But yeah, so where is Littlefield, Texas? It's in West Texas. So if you are, if, if let's see, if you can see where Lubbock is on a map, it's like Northwest of there. Okay. And maybe I'm trying to remember hour ish. Okay. Um, west of there. I mean, it's. I went through there because I was coming from New Mexico. I was driving. Uh, from the Grand Canyon back to Atlanta and passed right through there and was going there, then going down to Lubbock and on down to I-20, and I was going to take 20 all the way into Atlanta. So that's how I hit it and wanted to um, just check it out for a bit. And I was going to – I was spending the night in Lubbock that night, and that's a college town where Texas Tech is. I was rolling in. It had to have been like a Friday or Saturday night because the plan was we're going to go – party in this college town and then we had this accident and i'm just glad we, we it could have been it could have been the end it really could have been oh man uh but we it was myself and jonathan chadwick my producer he's riding shotgun i'm driving we're driving a sprinter van i mean those things are so tall i mean you could i'm six two i could darn near stand up in it without my head hitting the roof so they're they're very uh, odd shaped. So if you got hit in that thing, it's, it could tump easily. Well, we're, there are stretches out there where the, the speed limit is 85 miles an hour. I mean, you could, cause there's nothing out there. It's flat as it can be. And it was dark. And there was a person that was, I'm going from, I was, we'd pass Littlefield. I'm going to Lubbock. So there is a car coming across our two lanes and wanted to turn left to go the other direction. And it was night, like I said. So they're coming out looking right as their car is just easing into my lane. So I'm in the right lane, and I'm I'm coming in on them, and I'm telling Jay Chad like I don't think they see us. He's like I don't think they do either, as we're probably a hundred yards from them at this point, moving pretty good. And I'm flashing my lights, and they stop in the right lane. So I get into the left lane to try to go around them hoping that they'll just stop right there because i'm coming up on them really fast there was no time to hit the brakes and they continued to ease out and i guess they were just looking right as i'm coming from their left 
And my thought was there's a median grass median. And if I can keep my two right tires on the pavement and I can get myself a little bit more space by putting the two left tires in the median, just don't leave the asphalt altogether. And if they get us, they get us, but we should be able to stabilize if I can keep two tires on the asphalt. And sure enough, they hit the back quarter panel uh, right by the back rear tire. They were probably going 10 miles an hour, Mm. easing right into us. And we hit them and the thing wobbled. And I, man, I had this laser focus. Like I'm not letting this wheel get out of my pants, even though it's fighting me going back and forth real quickly. Jay Chad, I don't remember this at all. He and and he's such a panicker. He, he's he's already worried about spring training right now. So we're two and a half months away. He said he was screaming at the top of his lungs. I don't remember hearing any of that. I just remember peaceful, quiet, focus. And I we didn't tump, and I was able to slow the van down and get back onto the asphalt, then pull over on the right side of the road. And when the cops came. Ambulance came. You're required by Texas law to get inside the back of an ambulance, and they have to do a full checkup on you. Really? And I did took my blood pressure. I was gold. They're like, you're good, man. It's like you weren't even in an accident. Jay Chad gets in there, and it's like he had had 10 cups of coffee. <laughs> and they're like, sir, your blood pressure's through the roof. He's like, yeah, I almost died. Uh, <laughs> so that whole thing. Um, you know what's funny? I swear to God this is true. Um, I, I, we're taping this at your place. I left my apartment tonight, still living in the battery and coming down. I actually, instead of hopping right on 75, I was coming down uh Cobb parkway heads, uh, uh, South uh-huh. to come down here. And there's, a um, you pass Cumberland mall. And then there is a shopping center on the left where there's like a taco Mac, a movie theater, uh, local, is it total wine or local vine? Whatever is local vine. I think is on the, is in that particular one. And on the right, there were some apartment complexes. There was a Mercedes, uh, like a four-door sedan Mercedes that pulled out in front of me in the right lane, didn't see me coming. Yeah. Um, And it was similar where I didn't have enough time to stop, but I had to just look over my left real quick to see if there was anybody in the left lane. There wasn't. So I started darting over. Um, They thankfully saw me at the last second and just stopped. Really? Stopped in the right lane. And, and I, so it gave me enough room and thankfully there wasn't anybody on my left. I was able to get around the car, shaking my head and saying some not nice right, things. Right. And it was already too dark for them to see me. I wish it had been light out where they could have seen the words that I was, I was throwing their <laughs> way. But it's, it's funny that happened. That literally did happen on the way. That's over here. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I, that was my little field, Texas story. How about that? Hopefully the next one's a lot better than that. I, I hope so too. Yeah. I hope so too. Okay, so are we are we are we going? I know you've got a bunch of honorable mentions. Are we just going to go seven for seven here? Go seven. I'll, I'll I can throw some in at the end. Okay, other just that works. some names. Want to just throw in there? But yeah, all right. I'll throw this was my kind of my honorable mention. We'll all just right. put him out there. Uh, I referenced '90s country a, a little bit ago. This is a guy who, when I'm in a '90s country mood, there's I almost in a way I feel like he's a little underrated because there's so he had so many just solid really just solid good songs uh very popular in his day but still i feel like in the grand scheme of things underrated part of the uh infamous or famous country music class of 89 there were four very prominent solo male artists that are informally referred to as the class of 89 yeah they were uh garth brooks travis tritt alan jackson and this guy clint black uh-huh. uh clint black to me is sneaky 
I feel like it's it's almost sneaks up on you how many good songs he had back yeah. in the day. Um, first album, I or the the Killing Time album, Better Man, Killing Time. There's just and then beyond that, there's so many songs of his that I love. I actually, so he he moved to Texas at um uh, when he was or his parents moved. <laughs> if he moved to Texas at one year old, that would be a trick. <laughs> Uh, he would be, he'd be, friends I've had with, enough of this. He'd be friends with my one month old that can read. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you have any guess what, what state Clint Black was born in? It is random. Let's go with Vermont. You're in the right part of the country. Clint Black was born February 4th, 1962 in Long Branch, New Jersey. Really? And then family. Good re- career move. Good career move. Family relocated to, uh, Katy, Texas. I believe it was. That's his origin anyways, as an artist was, uh. Yeah, he was raised in Katy, Texas. Uh, so, again, not, born in uh, born in, in Jersey, but definitely a Texan. We can forgive him for that. Yeah, it's not a problem here. We're no no worries. Um, but just uh, one of my one of my favorites. There's there's not a. I've got a a playlist on my phone of '90s country, and I there's four or five hundred songs on it. And uh, sometimes, you know, I made it a long time ago, and it's pretty that many songs. It's pretty comprehensive and has a lot of people in there a lot of different types of songs so whenever i put that playlist on there are times where i'm like "Eh, i'm not in the mood for this one or this artist or whatever and i just hit next right he's one that i don't think i ever skip anything of his that comes up and i've got a lot of his yeah he just just a solid solid uh, really that 90s country that was such a cool era of country music popular country music and he's uh He's in there. Did a little bit of acting along the way. Did had a little cameo. Did you ever see the movie Maverick? Maverick. I yep. loved Maverick. Yep. Had a had the, had the, the was big... he the one who gets thrown off the boat? <laughs> yeah, that's him. It's him and uh, I think his wife, who plays his wife, has a cameo. Is it Kathy Matea? I think I did not know that. I think. And then uh, yeah, full circle. You know who else has a cameo in that movie? James Garner's got one. Oh, he's or one who, of the stars. Uh, Waylon's in that movie. Waylon has that's a right. cameo because they're all on that riverboat. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. it's Mel Gibson uh, as the lead. Yep. And then who's the redheaded actress? Um, well, James Garner and Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Actually, Kathy Matea might have played. Oh, that's what it. He's a Clint Black. Doesn't it, Kathy Matea is Waylon's wife as in the movie? Okay. Uh, because Waylon's packing. He's packing heat. And James Garner, I believe, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but discovers that it's a. Uh, his gun, and then he tries to pass it off as it's actually Kathy Matea's gun. Um, and then Clint Black is the guy who's cheating, cheating at the that's table, right. and they throw him over. Yeah, 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 that's what I remember. And he had the the hit song from that movie, uh, "Good Run of Bad Luck." That's right, I remember that song. Great song, it is a really good song. So, so that was my boy. Uh, I remember seeing that in the theater. I do too. I do too. We went and Dad was uh, still was racing, and we went. Me, my mom, and uh, our good. Longtime family friend Ann Hayes. I think the three of us went. That had to be. I don't know if we were in Pennsylvania, I don't know where we 93, were. 93, 94? 93. Yeah, it's awesome. 30, yeah, 30 years ago. Great I, movie. I need to pull that one back out sometime. I'd want, I bet I hadn't seen it since it was in the theater. It's, it's good. There's a funny little cameo from Danny Glover where he and Mel Gibson look at each other for a second. It's kind of tearing down the fourth wall. That's a little right. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really funny, really entertaining movie. Uh, and I'm sure there's some other famous people in it that were just because it's been so long. Right. Like, uh, that was a movie I saw it as a kid and I think I watched it a zillion times on a VHS tape after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Clint Black. That Good was call. Next one. So that was my honorable mention. And I've talked myself into saying, you know, he's not an honorable mention. Yeah, he's I, on I, the list. He's on the list. That's great. That's a good one. 
I, I want to. I'm looking at my list, and and it's it's all male acts with exception of of two. One's an honorable mention. The honorable mention is Janice Joplin. I wanted to throw her in there. Oh, uh, tremendous great. Port Arthur, Texas. Uh, but this one I wanted to throw out because I just want to show some love to the ladies because that's what I like to do anyway. But uh, <laughs> Tanya Tucker's on my list. Oh, great call. Seminole, Texas. And so it's just a great career. There's a really good, I haven't seen it yet, but a buddy of mine who also loves the same kind of music we do said there's a really good uh, Netflix documentary about her uh, that is out now. It's recently come out. And I think Shooter Jennings is the one who put it together. Really? So I, I was like, I, I need to watch this. Maybe I'll watch this after we, we finish this. Up. I'm literally going to add that right now. That is right up my alley. And she's just, anytime I've seen um, Tanya Tucker in an interview or listen to some of her songs, she has such a, um, such a spirit of her own. And, and I just love her career. I love some of the songs. And, and I did not know that. Songs like Delta Dawn, she sang when she was like 14 years old. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, so she was a star at 14, 15 years old and didn't come from much at all. Really, it was on her voice that her family had any means to do anything. And when you become a star that young, this is talking early 70s. So she's a teenager, 13, 14, 15 years old. And you're still relevant. You're still putting out music. You still have albums coming out 50 years later. To me, that that's just tremendous. And um, she's kind of got the the female outlaw image. And I love that about her. And, and I think there's so many other musicians, especially female musicians through the years, who have looked up to her. Um, she was on, so I. it was not really my uh, choice or anything to watch the uh, CMAs recently, but... I watched it nonetheless, and she actually, she performed on there, and I got to tell you, she sounded great. Yeah. She looks great. Sounds great. What a, it, she's another one of those voices that when you hear it, you know that's Tanya Tucker. Yeah. It's got that kind of badass, like, raspiness yeah. to it that I love. I've loved that. I'll tell you a, a quick NASCAR story. There was one summer where whatever album she had out, and this is mid-90s, early mid-90s, she somehow had a... I don't know if it was her record company or her and Jeff Bodine, the driver whose car she was on, if they had some sort of relationship. Yeah. And I don't even mean that in a, a nefarious or right. like scandalous way. Just there was some relationship anyways, where her, some promotion for that album was, I think she had like a decal on his car. And then, so how it worked in those days, I don't know how it works now, but in those days in the NASCAR series in the garage area every weekend, the, the team's haulers, the thing that they bring the cars and all the equipment to and the track, and they all park them to, next to each other in the garage area. At that time, the trucks were parked in the order that the, the teams or drivers were in points. So, you know, points is like you, it's the championship for the year. Right. You're in points on each race. And then at the end of the year, there's a champion. That's the very Cliff Notes uh, version of it. My dad and Jeff Bodine, who was another, who was a former NASCAR driver, I think that summer, for whatever reason, I guess they were next to each other. One was ahead of the other in points all summer. So as part of this promotional thing for Tanya Tucker, they had two at the end of his uh, at Jeff Bodine's hauler. They had two big decals that were the album cover. They'd stuck on the rear of the hauler, and they blasted that album all summer long. Really, every day it was it was playing. And uh, I remember by the end of the summer, I was like. 
I wish Jeff or dad, somebody would either start running better or running worse. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tanya, but man, I'm getting tired of hearing this out over and over again. Um, but uh, at the same time, I remember it was kind of cool that, uh, that she was on there. Um, but yeah, uh, she's, she's a legend. Like you yeah. said, I think too, that, and that was something I noticed at the, the CMAs recently, she performed. I thought it was cool that you could tell there were a lot of other, I was going to say female artists, but just artists, artists in men, general men yeah. who were, they were like, damn, that's Tanya Tucker. Like, she I'm she just won a Grammy three years ago for, for best country song and for best country album. Did she really? I didn't know that. And that's, that's, that's 50 years, almost 50 years after she first hit the scene with Delta Dawn in 73. That's incredible. So, so to have that kind of longevity, uh, to win a, to win two Grammy awards, 50 years into your career, I, I has to be on the list and, Certainly one of my favorite country artists. Can you even imagine like achieving that level of fame as a teenager? Not even a teenager, just barely a teenager. Yeah. yeah. I can't even imagine. You can't even drive. Yeah. And I just, I, I can't even imagine what that, you're still developing. Right. Like I can't even, like your, your, your mind and your sense of life and everything around you is like, right. That you're right. At least for me, that's right in the heart of like everything's changing like or the, what is you know you're becoming an adult right and you throw like becoming an extremely like famous person and singer and performer i just i i can't imagine so not only are you still developing you you still have another at least 10 15 years of developmental yeah stage in oh, your 100%. life so how do you god how do you how do you even process that so I, all that to say that's that much more amazing that she's still out there doing this at the level of she at a yeah. Grammy award winning level Yeah, after achieving stardom as a teenager. That's pretty incredible. She's, she is uh man. You talk about hall, halls of fame and one of the best. She's, right. she's one of the best. Oh, are we on me now. We're on you, man. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Here's one. Um, so I actually, not that this is a loose ranking, but I had, I, I I had seven and I went ahead and ranked them in order. Waylon was my number three. Clint was number seven. So I'll get to this one. I think this is one that's probably on both of our lists. We both saw him live not too long ago. Willie Nelson. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I will say this, having seen Willie Nelson live um, at the concert that you and I were both at a month or so ago, ATL live. Um, I've always liked Willie. I've definitely always, Willie's one of those people that, he's just so famous and such a part of Americana and American culture that even as a kid, like I feel like I knew who Willie Nelson was at an early age. As far as his music goes from a lot of my life, it's a few of the, the bigger, the songs that everybody knows that I liked by him, you know, um, but never really have I had, I really done a deep dive on him. They're just every now and then there'd be some songs I'd like here and there. I love like, Stuff he did with Waylon, that sort of thing. And then seeing him live a month or two ago, whenever that was, has... Man, you talk about the Yeehaw Junction effect. Something about seeing him live has inspired this whole new love of his music and his take on music and his takes on songs that other people have recorded. I think I told you on a recent episode of Yeehaw Junction that I bought his uh, Stardust album on uh -huh. vinyl. Uh, I, I'm 40 years old. I'd never listened to that album until I was 40 other than Georgia on my mind's on there. So I obviously I've heard that one a lot and loved it. Um, but I have now, I'm now currently in this state of diving deeper into Willie's catalog. And he, the man literally has, I think 150 albums and uh -huh. I'm not, uh -huh. I think that's the number it's right about that. 
He's 90 years old and he puts out almost one for every year of his life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I, if we did this exact episode a year from now, I might be talking about Willie as my number one on this list for yeah. all I know. Yeah. I don't know. That's my, me and Waylon and some of the other ones on this list go, we go pretty far back. My, me and my love of them, but I just, uh, God, I just love, I, I love his music. I actually, my family uh, asked me for uh, my my Christmas list. You know, they need ideas for me from Christmas. My entire list was vinyl records and then a couple of books, one of which was uh, Willie's uh, autobiography. Well, his most, one of his more recent autobiographies. He's lived long enough now that he's now written, I think, multiple autobiographies. When you live to be 150, <laughs> you can write three or four. You want every decade. Yeah. Somebody like him, he could probably write one for each year of his life, yeah. you know, stuff that's going on. But uh, yeah, uh, Willie Nelson just... Right in that same vein of Tanya Tucker of one of the all-time greatest that I think everybody in that that community, industry, and beyond just look up to. I don't think people really, but I'm, I shouldn't say this. There's a lot of people that know this, but there, there are probably some people who don't realize the songs that he wrote that were never performed by him um, on his own albums, maybe until later. But Hello Walls, Fair and Young, that was Willie Nelson. Um, crazy Patsy Klein. That was Willie Nelson. Pretty paper. Roy Orbison. That was Willie Nelson. Um, funny how time slips away. Billy Walker. That was Willie Nelson. He wrote that was, that's who he was early on. He was such a songwriter and there were so many of these songs and, and, and crazy is a, a really good example of this. He sold the song for like a few hundred dollars cause he had nothing. Uh, he sold, I think he sold hello walls for like, um, maybe less than that. Something like that. And he ends up going back to Texas, and it's not until he goes back to the te- back to Texas where his career gets on the track that he wanted. Very similar to the Waylon story, where mm-hmm. they go to Nashville, they're not quite what they want to be. End up going back for Waylon. It's he went to I think Scottsdale and was playing at that JD's uh, club, and then just selling it out every single night. And and for Willie, it was going back to Abbott, Texas, playing. Uh, local events there, local shows there, and really hitting his stride. But before then, he's he's putting out gold. I mean, country gold, and everybody else is getting the credit for it outside of him. So <clears throat> I think that's, to me, that's really impressive that he went through that phase, went back home probably feeling like a failure, and then comes back and opens up this genre of outlaw country along with Waylon and some other people that – explode into popularity and he takes off and has never come back since then. Isn't it amazing that somebody like him, he wrote some of the all time greatest songs, not even just the country music, just, I mean, crazy to me is just an all time great American song. Yeah. Uh, Patsy Cline from my home state of Virginia, by the way, um, amazing song, but that, that it's amazing to me. Willie wrote these songs for that were recorded by other people. And then it's kind of ironic that then some of Willie's best known stuff that he sang was him singing other people's work or like in the right. case of Stardust, he's right. singing an album of American standards. Um, just a, such a fascinating career. And it, it, I'm glad that I've, by seeing him live that that unlocked the thing in me to where I like, I always liked like some of his songs, some of his music, but seeing him live unlocked this thing in me to where I think I have a deeper appreciation and a proper appreciation for him as an artist. And also my enjoyment of 
his work is it's on such a greater level than it ever has been before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned that you talked, you talked about the outset, the, uh, the treasure map when we were talking about the, uh, you know, the book and everything earlier. This is one of the many great things about music. Willie Nelson's 90 years old. He's obviously been around the entire 40 years I've been here, but my journey as a listener of Willie Nelson, I feel like in some ways it's only just beginning. And there literally are 150 albums that I can now dive into. Right. And, God, isn't that such a fun part of this whole thing? Yeah. Just going down the the rabbit hole and and going on the journey and just checking in like, all right, I love Stardust. Let me let me try something else. You know, let me have I ever listened to Redheaded Stranger from top to bottom? I have. I'm just throwing that one out because yeah. the first one comes to mind. But and then, okay, let me try one of these these this album of deeper cuts are one that the critics quote unquote, or whoever would say would rank low. Maybe there's something on there. I would like, I don't know. I just love that. Um, I don't know. I think that's one I'm getting on a, a broader topic now, but there's something about, it's just one of my loves of music. You just kind of link up down the stream, but you get to you know, yeah. check out the entire body of water there. You get to see everything that took place. And in his case, 20, 30, 40, 50 years prior, which yeah. is really fun. I, and you mentioned redheaded stranger concept album. I don't know that I'd ever heard of a concept album prior to that one where yeah. it's the same story from start to finish. And I remember when that first dawned on me, when I first listened, I like the whole album is one story. That's so cool to me. And, and the whole thing is like 30, 35 minutes. Right. Um, yeah. It flies by, uh, but that's so creative. And when you have that many albums, you get to do so many really awesome things and well i listened to um what was i listened to when i was on the road recently i listened to it front to back um oh god an all another concept album all-time great uh phases and stages i was listening to that for the first time which was pretty interesting and yeah that that's it the concept of a concept album is fascinating to me and i think sometimes artists the ones who pull it off that usually means it's a masterpiece. And there's other times where they try and it just, there's some missteps or it just didn't work, but mm-hmm. the ones that nail it, it, it's, that means it, well, I just said it, it truly is a masterpiece. Yeah. That, that, yeah. If they nail it, then it is something that's like, you need to listen to it. And it's, you're listening to it from beginning to end. There's no skipping, no nothing. You are absorbing the entire thing as one piece of work. Yeah. So, so cool. Yep. Uh, that's a good one. I mean, it, it's, there are some names that when we give you the the topic that we're going into, you know 100% who's going to be on that list. Waylon, Willie, uh, there's no doubt about that. It, and, and I'll throw this out just as I, I spent a lot of time on, on, our, on, uh, on him in our last episode. You know how much I love Chris Christopherson, Brownsville, Texas. Same genre. Obviously, these guys have recorded each other's songs. Christopherson has written multiple songs for both of those guys and vice versa. So, And they're all in the Highwaymen together. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'd have to... He's certainly on my list. But if we're talking about names that you got to throw in, same concert that you and I went to yep. as Willie Open for George Strait. Yeah, he's. He, I had him ranked... Uh, if, again, I ranked, and this is all loose, but he was number two on my list. It was hard to, he and Waylon, I was sitting there going, if I really had to choose between these two, two or three, I'm like, who am I? I just, because of the day I was, that particular day, I think maybe I'd listen to more George. I put him second, but yeah. George is, I think Cody Canada from the band Cross Canadian Ragweed. Um, he put out a live record, uh, live acoustic record, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And great songs, him just singing, but in between songs, he's, and it's all on the album, he's telling stories. 
and uh, he covers um, Unwound to close out this this live album. But he tells a whole story leading up to uh, before the song about seeing George Strait as a young kid. His parents took him to see him. And this was when George Strait was not quite George Strait yet, but a touring artist. And he said they saw him in a, uh, <clears throat> as he put it, a dinner theater. And they, he's like, you know, you buy a steak, see a show, <laughs> that kind of deal. <laughs> and they never heard George Strait before, but they, they got tickets to go see this guy named George Strait down at the dinner theater. And uh, Cody Canada said, I saw him, he came out and I was electrified. And he just was talking about his love of him. And I love the way he described him. He said he was Frank Sinatra in a cowboy hat. Great way and to he put it. still is. And I thought that is the perfect way to describe George Strait. I love artists that write their own music. George Strait hardly writes, has hardly ever written it. It's certainly none of his hits. Right. But it doesn't matter. There's something about, that's why I love that description of him. I'm like, that. that is just, that's it. He is. I mean, people call him the king of country music, at least today. And yeah. I can see it. He's yeah. just, the man has like 70 number one hit songs and you could, and there's still probably 70 more of them. Just like, Oh God, I love that song. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that song. He's just, he's just a he's gold a standard and that'll never change. I mean, when you think about the, um, the history of country music or Texas music in general, I mean, you start right there. Um, he's from, let's see, born in Poteet, Texas. And, mm -hmm. Origin is that Pierce Pearsall? Pearsall, Texas. I, I was I was I was reading about him today and I didn't realize he was he was at it for a while. He was not an overnight success. I mean he was at this music thing for a good decade before Unwound, which was his mm -hmm. first hit single, came out. And I don't know, I thought this was fascinating. There was a picture on his Wikipedia page of Says George Strait had his first performance at Cheatham Street Warehouse in San Marcos, Texas, October 13th, 1971. So maybe not quite a decade, but for a while. And this is a, a picture of this place. You see that? Oh, that is so cool. It's, it's like just, a rundown shack is what it looks like. It's just an, a rundown shack. Some weeds growing out front. It, a, it looks like a bad antique store. It, oh, dude, that's a, it's, it's a great description. And I love that that's on his Wikipedia page because it's it's just a neat little piece of history there. But uh, George Strait, I've seen him live three or four times now. On my way over here, I, I listened to uh, I was bouncing around listening to a few of the artists on our on my list. Yeah, and uh, for his, for his, it's not that long of a drive over here, so I was just trying to get a song or two from each artist. And uh, through on, I can still make it to Cheyenne. So I can good. still make Cheyenne. Excuse yeah, me. there's. Uh, George Strait, there's there's so many songs that I just love. My favorite George Strait songs actually was never even a single, much less a hit. Uh, it's the title track from The Road Less Traveled, which was this 2001 album, my favorite album. The song itself, to me, it describes, it makes me think of my dad. It makes me think of myself. Uh -huh. And I think there's a lot of songs like that that George has put out there over the years that he chose to sing that it just, they're easy to relate to. And they've got just the right melody, the right hook, the right whatever that thing is that just grabs you. And you're like, damn, that's good. Yeah. Like, damn, there's yeah. Just simple songs, really. But but uh, what would you say? The standard? Just, uh, just the standard. The gold standard yeah. of. I mean, it, it's. He's such an establishment within country music. I mean, it's George Strait is as big as anybody who's ever been in country music. If if let's see, it's almost twenty twenty four, so an election year next year. I don't know if if the if there's a Texas gubernatorial 
<laughs> election next year. If George Strait decided to run for governor of Texas next year, I'm pretty sure he'd win. I think so. I don't think there's any doubt. Even with, with no political history, I think if he just ran, I think he'd win. Um, if he ran for president next year, I'd vote for him. Oh, man. No <laughs> doubt. Be our first good choice in a while. Um, <laughs> you got my vote. Just You, you could... I, I, you got my vote if you want to run as Dusty Chandler from <laughs> from Pure Country. Go uh, on. That was the he, he can look at all the other candidates from both parties and say, "Go on, get your ass out of here." <laughs> what a great movie! Great movie. Uh, his, uh, his acting. We is, had that VHS. Oh, we did too. S- soundtrack is phenomenal. So good. It's friggin' phenomenal. <laughs> Actually, that was uh, my wife and I. Um, we had a uh, string quartet at the at the wedding. And I was choosing most of the music because I kind of demanded uh, to. Uh, I made concessions. Uh, my mother-in-law chose something. She was paying for the string quartet. So she definitely had, had more than every. She was very had every right to choose stuff. But for when Laura walked down the aisle um, and Laura was fine with whatever I chose, I chose uh, uh, Cross My Heart from Pure nice. Country. Yeah. And it was it was kind of perfect when she walked down the aisle. That's what was playing. Um I, I read, I was reading about George today because I knew we were both, I knew he was one of the locks that right. I knew we were both going to talk about. Uh, I saw, I thought this little section on his uh, wiki page was, was pretty interesting. After several unsuccessful trips to Nashville in search of a record deal, uh, we're in the late seventies here, by the way. Uh, after several unsuccessful trips to Nashville in search of a record deal in which straight was turned down by every label in town, he considered giving up music altogether he was offered a job designing cattle pens and decided to take it. Really? He gave What the, year is this? This is it's it's just, just the 70s. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to okay. Uh, I'm going to say it's around 7980 looks like. Okay. Here. So designing cattle pens. So and if you don't and we're not talking about like a pen you write with, this is a an enclosure that right. which you would keep your livestock in, okay? So not only offered a job designing them, but he took it. Um, he gave the band, his band was the ace in the whole band. So he was a member of the ace in whole in the whole band. He later got signed as a solo artist. And now the band that still backs him up to this day is the ace in the whole band, uh, gave the band notice that he was leaving. But after a discussion with his wife, she convinced him to give music one more year. Not long after that MCA signed him to a recording contract in February of 81. The deal was for one song. If the single did well, the label would then consider doing an album um and in the spring of 81 he released his first single for mca which was unwound which is a song he'll still play today uh-huh. uh, 50, you know 50 years damn is that 50 40 years i'm sorry yeah 40 a little over 40 years ago um but i thought that was kind of neat that uh he was he was basically done and told the band i'm quitting i'm going to design cattle pens and thank goodness for norma Man. straight thank goodness norma straight said no hang in there a little bit longer that's crazy yeah Amazing how one, one little one little decision, no, it changes little, everything. It just changes everything yeah. for not only himself but man, generations of. Music I don't fans. think they make a cattle pen hall of fame. <laughs> <laughs> and if they did, he, there's no guarantee he's in it. He's in the country music hall of fame. Yeah, um, yeah, no kidding. Very good. Love George. Yep. Okay. Oh, is it up to me now? Fire away, y'all. All right. We've been. We. You know what? It's time we uh, we hop out of country music here for a minute or two. This is a band I talked about our first episode. I believe it was the Time Machine Concerts episode. 
Our good old friends in Pantera are definitely on my list. Uh, we're going straight from Willie and George <laughs> to loud ass screaming heavy metal Pantera. These guys in the nineties, as far as heavy, heavy metal, they were, they were the Kings during that time. Very much a Texas band. I mean, in some of the heavier songs, like, could you sit here and say, well, there's a Texas flavor to it? Maybe, maybe not. But there's something about these guys that was very Texas. Their first big album, what we went through, if you, we, Ben and I already had the discussion about the Pantera of the 80s was that was actually. So they're like, like a hair metal band, They were like right? a glam rock hair yeah. metal band until they kind of figured it out and got hooked up with Phil Anselmo and became Pantera, as we know. So their first major album, uh, Cowboys from Hell, and the cover is very Texas to me. It's like them photoshopped in black and white into this old saloon and the, the title itself cowboys from hell and there are i wouldn't say southern i would say like texas like themes in some of their titles and certainly in their persona uh particularly with the 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 uh with dimebag daryl and vinnie paul the abbott brothers i mean texas through and through arlington texas that's where this band originated uh, got to see them in arlington well, the Abbott brothers, of course, sadly, are no longer both with us. But the current incarnation uh, got to see them for Metallica, open for Metallica this summer in Arlington, which was really cool to see. They finally get to see them in, in their hometown. Uh, but, yeah, this is uh, I was I knew when uh, I saw well, you. This was one of your topics. And I, what I've loved about this topic is. This was one I'd never thought about before, like favorite side of an album. That was something I just thought about in my own head before uh -huh. long before you and I decided to do a show favorite artist from Texas. I'm like, I've never thought about that. But one of the ones I knew right of the way that was going to be on my list was Pantera. Just, um, you know, uh, Texas metal. That's, that's them. They're, they yeah. are the guys. Yeah. They're the guys. They are. And, and it, like you mentioned, it's a different type of music from what we've been talking about. Very different. But at the same time, that same spirit is within them, like you mentioned. You mentioned Texas themes and things like that, but it was more along the lines, to me, of we're going to do it our way. Very rebellious. Yes, and I think that, and that was in them. And uh, whether the music was the same or not, different genre or not, there was still that same spirit of here's how we're going to do things, which I think is one reason they're so successful. I think so, too. Uh, they they so were popular. They were their own, definitely their own thing, blazed, blazed their own trail, very Texan and their attitude, I yeah. would say. They, there was nobody else like them. Right. Uh, particularly when they were at their peak in the 90s, they were, there was just nobody else like them. And that to me, and, and that's, it's not just with them. This is, this is the case in life, the original. If you can find a way to do something no one else is doing, if you can do it your own way and not follow like anybody else and do things that way other people are doing them, do it your own way. I find that those people who are originals, are the people who really stand the test of time. Those, those are the people who are the most successful, and they were certainly that. And um, I think it's really cool. And like you, I didn't know this before. You mentioned it on that other episode about them being a, a glam metal band. That's what everybody in the 80s was trying to do. Why? Because you, you made money doing it. It was the popular thing. So it, it really took a moment where you took a step in faith to say, well, this isn't us. <laughs> and there's no guarantee that, we're going to sell, but we got to be us. Um, we have to do what we do and just trust that that's going to be good enough. And if it's not, then you know that at least we did it our way. 
And I, I love when you hear success stories about bands like that, or really anybody, where they just decided, I'm not going to go down this beaten path. I'm going to make my own path and let the results be the results. And Come what be, let's we're gonna live with that. And talk about we're talking about the George Strait and what could have been had he decided to the you know, design cattle pens instead of becoming one of the greatest uh, music country music singers of all time. So their fourth, I think they released Pantera released four of these glam metal ish type records, not majorly label records, not anything that I've ever been able like that I've even seen in a record store or anything not available for streaming that I've seen. So very underground, but records nonetheless that they put out. Uh, the fourth one was called uh, Power Metal. This was their first one with Phil Anselmo. So still, as it's described, still in the glam metal area, but a little bit more of a shift, a little bit more of a heavier shift. Anselmo brought some heavier stuff to the table. Um, shortly after it was released, though, so Megadeth, another popular thrash metal band, they needed a guitarist, and they they uh, gave Diamond Daryl, as he was known at the time, before he became Diamond. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was Diamond when they were the glam. Sounds like a wrestler. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, Diamond Daryl Page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that was another thing. He was when they were the glam metal band. He was Diamond Daryl, and then when they're like, no, we're just going to be ourselves. That's when he became Dimebag Daryl, which is funny. which is much more appropriate. Um, but Megadeth called, they were aware of him and knew how good of a guitarist he was. They needed a guitarist and they called him and wanted him to join. And at that time, Megadeth was already huge or pretty big. And Pantera was still this underground glam metal band that really wasn't getting anywhere. And he insisted that his brother, Vinnie Paul be included a drum for the band as well. Megadeth had already found a drummer. And so Dimebag turned them down. And because he was not going to go unless his brother got to go too, so he turned down what would have been a wow. really solid gig at the time uh, to stick with it. And then shortly thereafter, they recorded Cowboys from Hell and they took off. Wow, very yeah. cool, very very cool. I had to get some metal in there. Yeah, somewhere, we had ben. to. Well, and and in that same vein, uh, let me just throw out some bands. Um, maybe not necessarily a band, but. Um, Honorable mission, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yep. No doubt he's on my list. His brother, Jimmy, started the fabulous, uh, fabulous Thunderbirds. Had some good success there. Stevie Ray Vaughan was outstanding. He had to be on my list. One of the best guitarists that we've heard in the last 50 years. Uh, tremendous, tremendous. Taken too soon. Yes. Uh, what was that? Helicopter crash? It was a helicopter crash, um, yeah. But I want to throw this band in there. I feel like this will be a lot to be on both of our lists. Uh, Billy Frank and Dusty. There it is. ZZ Top. That was the last. All right. All of our locks. I knew it. Yeah. Okay. So actually, no, there might, I've, I've still got one more on my list that I feel like is going to be on yours too. But yes, uh, Billy, Frank, and Dusty, absolutely. Listen to them. They were the ones I was mainly listening to today, mm -hmm. getting ready for this. Such a unique band. I love that. Sadly, Dusty, you know, left us here about two years ago, I think. But I mm -hmm. love that those three guys were together for 50 years. And what a unique career they had. Yeah. Almost. It's, it's almost bizarre and odd how the time and manner in which they became super popular, because they recorded some albums with some classic songs in the 70s. But the release of Eliminator in the 80s coincided with MTV and music videos first becoming a thing. And they had a few hit videos that helped propel them. They figured the video thing out pretty quick. They, they were on it right away. They figured out how to, how to make this part of the machine to promote ZZ top. And I would argue that, that 
that them figuring that out at that that particular juncture propelled them into a place where they can still be a band 40 years later that tours and yeah. headlines yeah. Uh, large venues um you know i was thinking about our, our sides of albums episode we did eliminator has i i don't know the the side off the top of my head but man the first three th- songs i think are give me all your loving um sharp dressed man and then what's one in between there's three like all-time great songs legs let's, legs is on there um let's see if only there was a way to look this up am i right um I think when we get to our, our concerts episode, just to give everybody a little sneak peek out there, I, I wager a guess that Ben and I are both going to have a, a, a ZZ top concert yeah. in our, uh, yeah. in our discussion. Got me under pressure. So that's the yeah. first three yeah. songs on Eliminator are give me all your love and got me under pressure. Sharp dressed man. Yeah. Sharp dressed man. Excuse me. <laughs> that's a heck of a trio to start, a, yeah, start an album off with. Their greatest hits album. I was I had that on the other day, and I was thinking, you know, there's like 18 or 19 songs on this greatest hits album. I would not skip one. Yeah, it's just so good. And they just did they another band. You heard them, you knew it was them. Very Texan, very rooted in that blues kind of rock area. In fact, let's see the uh, the the origin of the band names. So they're from Houston, Texas. Uh, let's see. ZZ Top developed signature sound based on Gibbons blues style and Hill and Beard's rhythm section. And let's see, I believe, let's see, BB King, BB King and ZZ Hill. Gibbons particularly noticed BB King and ZZ Hill and thought of combining the two into ZZ King, but Uh considered it too similar to the original name. He then figured that quote King is at the top, which gave them the idea of naming the band ZZ Top. Top. All right. So that's where that, that comes from. But I love the look of them. With the two guys with beards and then the drummer who without a beard whose name is ironically named beard. I mean, it's just it's so funny. And let me let me let me jump in there right quick. Yeah, I learned this today because we talk about Frank Beard being the one guy without a beard. The the place where he was born was called Frankston, Texas. Come on, Frank is from Frankston, (laughs) playing in a band with two guys with beards. His last name's Beard, and he has no beard. Oh my god! I thought that was funny. You can't write this. No, that's amazing. So much. There's so many things I just love. What, what fun! They're just yeah, a fun, fun rock and roll band. Yeah. Well, and I knew when I was probably nine, ten years old. That's the first time I heard all that from Eliminator and Afterburner. Uh, my dad, to, and my dad's not a big music guy at all, at all. But dad loves Sharp Dressed Man. He loves that song. So when I hear that song, I think of my dad every time, which is really funny and That's cool, and just kind of bizarre because dad's just not into tunes by any means but he loves sharp dressed man so i knew all that thought it was good really liked it loved the videos if you know what i mean Uh and then it wasn't until later that somebody introduced me a guy that i worked with i was interning at a radio station introduced me to trace hombres um lagrange tush um uh, just got paid yeah. all these songs from the seventies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know that these songs really existed. I might've heard them, but I didn't put two and two together. That it was them. I thought that they were their own creation there in the eighties. I didn't really anything before that. And then I listened to trace hombres, which came out like 10, 12 years before their prime of the eighties. And it was like, this is awesome. This is great stuff. So that, that's, and I, I learned at that point, like I, whatever Billy Gibbons is doing, I'm into it. I just, I like all his stuff. 
Um, I got to go, quote unquote, backstage for their show one time. This was about 2003. And it was, I'm expecting, hey, we're going backstage. There's going to be booze. There's going to be girls. There was a, ta- there's a card table set up with like a bowl of pretzels and a bowl of M&M's. <laughs> They come out in, in what looked like pajamas, <laughs> go through a handshake line. They shake everybody's hand, and then they're gone. And then they're like, all right, folks, that's it. So I grabbed a handful of M&Ms and went out the door. But I got to shake their hands, which was really cool. That what do you think fun. they call them, Z&Zs? I hate myself for that. I hate myself for that joke Out with already. the M&Ms and in with the Z&Zs. <laughs> a terrible joke. I'm not even a dad yet, and I'm already, my humor has taken a hit. Dad yeah. jokes are horrible. You're on pace to be really good at this. Oh, God. Yeah, no, but to your point, though, Eliminator, I believe, was album number seven for them. How often does that happen? The artist has six albums, like actual albums out there under their belt released. And then on album seven is when they suddenly get like this huge boost in in popularity. Good point. Unique stuff. And there is some stylistically, I guess there are some some differences. I, I don't but I don't know. You know what? When I listen to all these songs, these hit songs that are mashed together on greatest hits and there's stuff from Trace Ombres, stuff from Eliminator, Afterburner, all that, all together, it still sounds yeah, you know, it's appropriate to me. It sounds like ZZ Top mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So um, just they, they, their whole look and everything that's kind of coordinated, like the, the one time I saw them, I mean, you know, they're dressed the same. They're the, the bass and the, the guitar have the same kind of look to them. And they come out at the end with the fuzzy guitars. Yeah. They're and spinning they're, the gu- guitar, spinning the guitar and they're like coordinated. Their movements are back and forth. And then they're, you know, in between the songs where they're like looking out in the crowd and they're both like stroking their beards, like looking for the girls, that kind of thing. <laughs> like it's such a fun, just a fun, fun band, great songs that are just, like if I want to just if I'm just in a good mood driving down the road and just want something like just solid tunes, I'm I'm just happy to be yeah. like tapping along to ZZ Top all, all day. So many little their sense of humor, I feel like the videos it would come through right. and just little things here and there with some of their songs. Like I was listening to uh, uh, their cover of Eva Las Vegas on the way over here and I love how they sample or I assume they sample or either somebody was doing an impression of Elvis. Like there's a little quick sample at the beginning of the songs where it's Elvis going, y'all still want me to come with you? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be saying that. My, my wife's going to hate me because I'm going to be walking around the apartment going, Laura, y'all still want me to come with you? <laughs> um, but yeah, just uh, I, I love ZZ Top and that, yeah. they're just a great rock and they're roll so band. Cool. Man. And very, very Texan. Yeah. That, that Whatever this intangible Texas music thing is, ZZ Top's like right smack dab in the middle. Were they number one on your list? They were no, they okay. were actually. I had them at four, so I had. Um, well, I've got everybody but one, so I'll, I'll. I had perfect Clint Black at seven, Willie at six, Pantera at five, ZZ Top at four, Waylon at three, and King George straight at two. Okay, and that leads us to my last one. Throw and then it out there, one. man. What are we? What are you down to? So I've got. Um, let's see. I've got really one other guy i want to spend some time on and i've got a list of guys i just want to throw out there as honorable mentions all right so i'm wondering the guy that you're wanting to spend time on i'm wondering if that is if if you've got this guy as your number one i'm gonna be surprised okay so maybe it's not the same um 
I love this guy's music. I have for the last 15 years or so since I've known. Him. I think we both have this guy on the list. Okay. But go ahead. Yeah. He is probably in terms of just a singer and songwriter, probably my favorite going today. Uh, Ryan Bingham. Uh, I, I just love his music. If you're asking me from a critical if I'm writing an article for some publication or something covering music, which I would hate to do that. But if you're asking me who I think the, just the purest best songwriter is today, I would say it's probably Jason Isbell, but yeah, my personal favorite, uh, it's Ryan Bingham. I, I've first saw Ryan Bingham. Um, by the way, he was born in New Mexico, but relocated to his family, relocated to West Texas at a young age, emerged from the Austin, Texas music scene. And you can hear it in his songs and you can read a little bit about it here and there. Definitely not a, a uh, Candyland rosy upbringing for him in West Texas. Right. Pretty rough. Parents both gone. I, it, pretty rough. And it feel like that comes through in his his writing and his singing. Um, but I first became aware of him. Believe there was an episode of Austin City Limits. This is pre uh, the movie Crazy Heart, which he won an, won an Oscar for best song. I tuned in, I believe, you know, Austin City Limits, I haven't watched it in a while, but I sometimes, or maybe it's every time, I don't know, there'll be two artists featured right, on there. Right, So I was tuning in, I believe the second band that was on that night was the one I tuned in to see, which was uh, Drive By Truckers, right. I think. And so I didn't tune in at the beginning of the show, but I tuned in while Ryan Bingham's part was still on. I'd never heard of the guy before. And uh, I heard a song or two, I was like, man, I really like that. And at that point, he's probably on album two. Okay. Uh, which would have been... Uh, Junkie Ro Star? Uh, that's that three. Three, okay. Uh, Roadhouse Blues okay. was uh, was two. And I've just been... I've, I've just loved his music ever since. There's... You know, I know, you know what's interesting? Some people, a lot of people now know him as, uh, as Walker from the TV Yellowstone, show yeah. Yellowstone. Yeah. When I went to see... Uh, my wife and I went to see Ryan Bingham in late 2019... And she, she, we had not watched Yellowstone at this point. I'm just a, I've loved his music for a long time. So this is uh, my first time getting to see him and still the only, the only time I've gotten to see him live. And we did a meet and greet, got to meet him beforehand, uh, which was very cool. He was super cool, super nice. He came out, he was carrying a Modelo, huh. uh, just real friendly. Um, and then we saw the show, put on a great show. What was the venue? Uh, it was a little, it was a small theater up in um, Chattanooga. Okay. And I don't have the name of the theater in front of me here, but a really cool little, pretty small theater up there. It was great. Jamestown Revival opened and they did an yeah. acoustic set to yeah. open, which was, was a great show. What I thought was interesting was I'm, I know Ryan Bingham's catalog pretty well. And he's not one where it's like, well, there's the hits, but there's the songs that you know you're going to hear probably. Um, and I know his catalog real well. What I was surprised by was there were a couple songs he would play, and I don't remember which ones off the top of my head, but where the crowd had this huge reaction, I'm like, really? For that one? And then I discovered shortly thereafter, it's like, oh, Walker played this song on Yellowstone, and that's how uh, these folks who just reacted know it. So, which good for him that he found, uh, you know, there's other people discovering his music through his... his uh, that's so his, funny that there acting. are people who discovered Ryan Bingham through Yellowstone. Isn't that crazy? But there are. There are a lot yeah. of people, which is... It's it's a great thing for him. More people are finding his music that way. It's great. Uh, there are, I can I can just listen to him all day and yeah. not get tired of it. The song uh, "Sunrise," God help me if we ever do like a top ten, our top ten like favorite songs 
ever of any artist, any band. Yeah. Cause I think, I honestly think my brain would break. I think it would just be too hard, <laughs> but I do know with certainty that sunrise is, it would be on that list and it would be in the discussion for the top spot. Yeah. I don't know that it would be there, but it's there. Um, something about his music, man, his writing, it just, yeah, it just, it does it for me. There's uh and he's, very Texan music, I would say is very Texan, but he's one that he can kind of dabble in. He can sing a really depressing sounding song where it's just him and acoustic guitar. Yeah. And then he can hit you with the next track on the album with a, a rocker. I yeah. mean, like, and it's like yeah. really heavy rock yeah. song. Uh, so yeah, he's number one on my list above all good. those classics. He's, um, and it's not even recency biased. I've been around, I've been with him for, my music listening with him has been about 13, 14 years now. Yeah. Um, and it's as strong now as it was day one. And his most recent album, which is an EP, you and I, when it came out, were texting about it. Cause I know you love, uh, you listen to him a lot. Too. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting listen, that new EP. It is. And, and I've found myself number one, really liking it. And number two, knowing when I want to listen to it. Yep. I'm not going to listen. If I'm cleaning up around the house, it's not when I'm listening to that, um, that album. If I'm driving and it's nighttime, I, that's when I want to listen to that album. Um, it's got this kind of a spooky, mysterious sound to it, which I, I love when artists don't just put in the can the same thing they put in the can on the last album. And, and not to say that you get radical with it, but I just like that you'll try. You're not afraid to try something different. And that to me, that album, it's got its own space because it doesn't have to be. It, it, you're not going to put out Mescalito every three years. Right. You're just not. And that was that's such a great album. Oh, it's fantastic. And, and, and his albums since then have been so good as well. Uh, in their own way, though, the, all those albums have different feels to them. And I just love that he went way out there uh, with, with that latest EP that came out. Watch out for the wolf. Yeah, watch out for the wolf. Um, was it Where My Wild Things Are is the first song released from that album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, I remember hearing it thinking, this is, he's doing something really, really different. And it's a very short album. I mean, like yeah. you mentioned, an EP, it's like 30 something minutes. It's seven songs, 24 minutes. Golly, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I, you, you nailed the head. You nailed the, you, right on the head. You nailed it perfectly with, uh, there's a certain time that yeah. you're going to listen to this. Yeah. I will say, I remember. And look at I, the, look at the album art. Oh, uh, that's it, when you want to listen to that album. It, it's, it's his as far as album covers, and he's had a few that I like. This one might be my favorite. I do love Mescalito and Junkie Star actually is fantastic. Yeah. But this one is it's just so cool. The campfire and it's very dark and a little moody. The um, moon's out. The moon's out. It's just it you can see the trees and the mountains in the background. It's yeah. So cool. When we first you and I were texting about it, when we first heard it, I, I don't remember exactly what I texted you, but I'm like, you know, I don't dislike this. It's just different. And it's one that you ever, I'm sure you have this with albums, particularly artists that you, that you like, where you're willing to invest some time listening right. and then going back to it and listening again. There are some that are, um, that are growers, I would say yeah. that are, you don't necessarily hate it or dislike it or anything at first, but it's just kind of there. And you're just like, huh? Okay. All right. And then you revisit it a little bit later. It's like, oh yeah. Okay. I'm, I, I like this digging this. And I'll say the most recent, I most recently checked back in on this album last week. I burned the whole thing. That's 24 minutes. I burned it down while I was in the gym, top to bottom. 
And I found myself going, damn, I like this. And yeah. it's, by the way, it's not a normal gym song either. It is very right, much a right. at night kind of moody. Smoking a cigar or something yeah. like that. I'm listening to this song. Very much it's that. There's just a lot of space, kind of spacey in that sound to it, in that yeah. album. I just, I dig it a lot. Oh, I'll tell you what it was. I was in the gym. It was, I think it was the day where I was up really early. So the sun wasn't even really fully up yet. So yeah. it was kind of like halfway dark. And I was the only person, literally the only person in there. And it was cold. Yeah. And it was like, even though I was in the gym, which is more of where I want something upbeat, it was just, it hit me at the it right time. Fit your time. surroundings. It was perfect for the, the setting that I was in at that time. Yeah. So, and you're right. He's the kind of artist that can do that. They can have a, I think a masterpiece like Mescalito. Um, there's, there's albums. My first summer that I lived down here in Atlanta, I think you and I talked about this album years ago. It was this album that came out that, that year in 2015, Fear and Saturday Night. Yeah. I don't even know. It might be my third or fourth favorite Bingham album, but man, I love that album. When I listen to it, I am right back in my car driving to Turner Field every day because I just listened. I jammed that album all summer when I would be in that slow moving traffic in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, that album. And he's, uh, yeah, he's. Definitely an artist. Each album, you don't know exactly what you're going to get with him, but in all likelihood, you're going to like it if yeah. you liked what he's put out before. Yeah. So, yeah, he's my number one, Ryan Bingham. That's a good call. Really good call. I saw him. By the way, did you know he was on the rodeo team at Tarleton State University? I didn't know he was at Tarleton State. I knew he, yeah. he was in the rodeo in his younger life. He was on the, the college rodeo team. How about that? Pretty cool, huh? I read that today. When we were kind of doing prep for this, our friend Kevin McAlpin has uh, he he introduced me to Tarleton State a few years ago. Really, we were we were for entertainment purposes only looking at some early lines of college football season. <laughs> one year. Well, that's bottom of the barrel. What? I don't even know what their nickname is. I'm, I don't either, but Tarleton I know State. I know they were I know they were thirty point underdogs one night. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, no, I, gotta I wonder if up. you can. I wonder if you can place a wager on the rodeo team for Tarleton. I bet be you there's great. a sports book somewhere that'll take it. Betting on, the, betting on college rodeo. All right, they are the they're the Texans. Oh, well, the, well this is uh, this, this is perfect. This was meant to be the Tarleton State Texans. I love it. Um, I got to see. I've seen Bingham play four. Yeah, four times. Uh, I saw him in 2012 in Atlanta. First time I was introduced to him was because of uh, Outlaw Country XM radio station. And they were playing him stuff. I liked it a lot. Took a date. Don't remember her name. Never saw her again. Didn't. Really, <laughs> she wasn't really into it, and therefore I wasn't really into her. So I was like, hey. Very nice. That's uh, that's it for us. Which, do you have a favorite Bingham song off the top of your head? Like when I say Ryan oh. Bingham, what would be the first thing you'd listen to? Because mine is sunrise is at the top but there are i mean i love everything the man's done so i'd have to think about that okay fair i, was, I didn't mean to put you on one. the spot no, 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 that's that's a tough one um yeah i'd have to think about that one if, if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with ryan bingham i i would say mescalito and junkie star are both ones that just start there you can probably just hit play on track one and let it go. Actually, a second album, Roadhouse Blues, I would throw that in there as well. Uh-huh. And that's not to poo-poo any of his later stuff because American Love Song, which came out of 2019, great album. Mentioned Fear and Saturday Night. I love that one. Uh, but Mescalito and Junkie Star are both ones that just 
talk about great albums that you can just start and let it roll the whole way. All right, I'm I'm looking at my list of uh, you know how these music services put out what you listen to the most over the course of a year. Yeah, and I'm you know this is December as we're doing this, and my the the Brian Bingham songs that have the most plays for mine, the Poet, um, mm. All Choked Up Again, uh, Wolves, uh, South Side of Heaven. Broken Heart Tattoos, uh, Radio, these are all in my... So I guess those would be that'd be the answer, those songs, because those are the ones that I've listened to the most. I, I love The Poet. Man, it's such a good song. You know what I love? All Choked Up. I love All Choked Up Again. That might be my pick. Do you know what I love so much about that? Is I love all of those songs, but I bet you, if I brought up my list, I bet none of my top five would match yours. Yeah, Southside yeah. of Heaven might be on mine. yeah. Wolves, there's an outside chance. I don't even know how to look that up on mine, but um, I, I'd be willing to bet Sunrise, Sunshine, uh, Pontiac. Yeah. The Poet is great. The Poet is such a, when you start Junkie Star, it starts with that song. Yeah. And man, what a what a killer opener. Yeah. It's a, an interesting choice for an opener, and I mean that in a great way. The concert that I went to, the first one that I went to, this is, I've seen him play in Georgia three times. I've seen him play, no, 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 no. I've seen him play in Georgia twice, Montana once, and Nashville once. And the concert in Georgia, the first time I ever went to see him, this is 2012. He's playing Long Way from Georgia. Oh, that's awesome. And it, you remember the lyric where he says, um, he's talking about, he's, he's got a, a waitress, and he's like, Atlanta waitress tells me, um, I'm trying to remember the exact lyric, but he says something about the Atlanta waitress is about to tell him something. I think the next lyric is, boy, you got a good smile. But before right. he gets to that, some guy in the crowd yelled, what did she say? <laughs> and he lost it on stage. He started laughing and the whole crowd started laughing because we were in Georgia and he's performing a long way from Georgia. And, uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, he says, sitting there at a truck stop, Atlanta waitress tells me, and this guy just yells, what did she say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i'm trying to uh go to uh, I'm, I'm now really curious to see one because ryan bingham yeah he's in my top five for most i've listened to this year yeah and it is not coming up for me oh well the the point remains the same though that they'd be different that which is that's how many good songs he's got. That's how many good songs. And all, all the ones you listed, I'm like, yeah, love every single one of those. Yeah, so, yeah, great yeah. songs. All right, let me throw out some honorable mentions that I could spend time on all these people. We just don't have the time. I mentioned Stevie Ray Vaughan, Buddy Holly. Yep. Buddy Holly was 22 when he died. Amazing. 22, and he had that much of an impact on so many and became that much of an icon. 22 years old, Lubbock, Texas. Um, I mentioned I mentioned Roy Orbison. I think no, I he was he was one I was thinking about. Roy too. Orbison, Vernon, Texas. Oh my gosh, you could listen. You you think about like just some lonely voice coming through a, a jukebox on Route sixty six. That's Roy Orbison. He's just such a great voice. And then of course his solo stuff and traveling Wilbury stuff mm -hmm. and, and passes while they're while he was recording um, at the time of traveling Wilburys, if I'm not mistaken. Not actually in the studio, but as they were uh, in between albums or something like that. Beautiful voice. So good. Um, Don Henley, Linden, Texas. Had to throw him in there. You know, I got it real quick about Don Henley. Um, so my dad 
I don't even know how the subject of the Eagles came up. This is a few years back. Or not even the Eagles. I'm sorry. Uh, Don Henley. The subject of Don Henley. Maybe we were watching. Some, I was at the house. We were watching something on TV. And like Don Henley was playing. Maybe it was some awards thing or some show he was on. He's played. And my dad just casually goes, oh, I played golf with that guy one time. Come on. I went with, with Don Henley. He's like, yeah. I said, Don Henley. He goes, yeah. From the Eagles, Don Henley. Said, yeah, yeah, I played with him in a program or something back in the 90s. I'm like, you're just going to casually drop him? He played <laughs> golf with Don Henley. He's like, well, yeah, I did. And that was it. That was the whole story. He played golf with Don Henley at some tournament one time, like 20, 25 years ago. Didn't really have any other details otherwise, but literally played he golf with him for an day. He was there. Yeah. So there you go. There's that. That is so funny. That's <laughs> whatever. What another great voice, man. That guy. Oh, man. Whether you like him, whether you like the Eagles or not, dude could friggin' sing. Can sing, can write, the whole deal. Um, I, here's a guy that I've got to throw in. If you if you spoke with anybody from Texas, they would tell you that this guy had a major impact on them. Nineties ish, Charlie Robinson. Um, if you've heard, and he's got. I wouldn't say that he was huge by any means. He had um, lots of really good stuff. Pure Texas musician. Um, some great, great. My hometown is one of my favorite songs of his. Um, feeling good. Um, I'll have to think of some of these others that I'd want to throw in there. But um, the song uh, Dixie Chicks, Cowboy Take Me Away. Mm -hmm. That's about him. Really? That's about that guy. No kidding. He was married to one of the, I guess they're the chicks now. Yeah. Uh, they, he was married to one of them. I'm not sure which one, but he was married to one of them. And, and he was the inspiration for that song. We're just a, a really um, unique musician. And I felt like the kind of guy who did things his own way. I wanted to have him on that list because so many people that we that we have on this list would probably have him on their list. Uh, he's got um, one song, New Year's Day. That was the name of the song. Great song. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one worth listening to. Uh, I mentioned my hometown, El Cerrito Place, uh, Sunset Boulevard. All, all really good songs. Great songwriter. So I want to throw him in there. Uh, let's see some more honorable mentions. Uh, George Jones is from Saratoga, Texas. I can go <laughs> on and on about George Jones. Uh, love Shane Smith and the Saints. I got to throw them in there. Cody Jinks is on my list. I have to throw Whiskey Myers in there because I'm a huge fan of theirs. And by the way, I just saw them a week ago Sunday. And I mentioned I'm kind of buddies with some of those guys. I got to hang out on their tour bus after the show. Awesome. Only time I've ever been on a tour bus with the band after a show. Like the whole, I've done backstage before. I've never done the tour bus, which wasn't wild or anything like that. They had pizza and they had cake and they had some Miller lights, which was great. Sounds badass it, to me. It was great. It was great. Uh, Bob Wills at, at the beginning, at the top of it all. I mean, he, he kind of started all this uh, from, I believe it's pronounced Koss, Texas, K-O-S-S-E. I hope I get that right. But all right, let me get to the last guy I want to throw in. This guy, it, <laughs> This guy means so much to so many people. I don't know that the common country fan knows much about this guy, but this guy's tentacles have been 
in everything when it comes to this genre of music, and he has influenced so many people, and that is Towns Van Zant. Towns Van Zant wrote Poncho and Lefty, If I Needed You for the Sake of the Song, To Live Is to Fly, um, Our Mother the Mountain, Snake Mountain Blues, a, a legendary guy that never got the praise that he probably deserved, but an absolute brilliant genius um, country musician died at 52 years old. There are multiple uh, country stars who have named their kids after him. So he's just that kind of a forerunner of that genre and music from the state of Texas uh, that you have to throw in there. I mean, you've heard Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard sing Pacho and Lefty. That was a Towns Van Zant song. That was really kind of the first song that that got him going. But he's recorded with Lyle Lovett and Merle Haggard and Bob Dylan, um, Steve Earle, Robert Earl Keane, another great Texas musician, oh, Pat yeah. Green. Um, he's recorded with everybody. So I, I had to have him on there because I think any – person who would be from Texas and takes pride in their music would certainly have Towns Van Zant on their list. So I had to throw him on there because of uh, really what he's meant to people who have come out of there, but a brilliant mind and a brilliant musician and gone too soon as he passed in 97 at the age of 52 years old, but lived it and then wrote about it, which is really admirable. I've, I've often wondered when listening to Poncho and Lefty, what is it about this song that makes it so great? And I don't really know that I've ever put my finger on it, but there is something about that song and I am, I, I am re- referring to the Willie Nelson Merle version of it. Cause that's the, the one most, most people would know, I think best or best. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh, George Strait covered it actually at the concert we were at a uh, month or two ago and, and gave a shout out to Towns Van Sant before, before seeing it. I've listened to that song. I don't know how many times in my life. And there's something about, it's funny, the very beginning of it, it almost starts like the very first few seconds of the intro almost don't match the rest of the song. Like it's got like this little, dun, yeah. dun, dun, this little, and then it shifts into what the rest of the song sounds like. And there's just something about that little hook of the out of kindness, I suppose, whatever that little chord changes, something about that hook is so freaking good. Yeah. It's just such a beautifully well-written song that's, I don't know how to describe why. I don't know. I don't know why it's so good, but it just is, Yeah, you know? And maybe if I was a, it's a staple. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if I was like, I play guitar, but as far as music theory and actually understanding a lot more about musicianship and if I was an actual proper like trained musician, maybe I could better explain what it is that makes that song so great, but it just is. Yeah. It's, um, Yeah. Because I, th- I think about him, and I, there's so many other people we could have thrown on this list. I Man, I think of, I think of Towns Van Zant the way I think of Guy Clark, also from Texas, where people who are from there or people who are influenced by uh, some of these musicians, they'll say these are the guys for me: Guy Clark, Towns Van Zant, etc. And I, I think that you have to really underline the importance of the people who inspired the people. And, you know, look, Guy Clark had a great I mean, he, he was he died here in the last, what, three or four years, mm-hmm. I want to say. Uh, tremendous songwriter and performer. But I, I think that those guys, they're, they're the kind of the forerunners of, of what we're talking about, especially for this episode. So that to me is is really cool. I think about the story that I saw in this documentary about Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard coming to record that song. And it was like three o'clock in the morning 
And I think if I'm remembering the story right, Merle was at Willie's house, but he was in his in a trailer. Maybe he was staying in a trailer at that, like a RV is kind of what I pictured in my mind that maybe he drove there. And Merle had, I'm sorry, Willie had heard this song. Somebody played it for him. He's like, we, we got to perform this song. We have to play this song. And he wakes up Merle Haggard at like four o'clock in the morning. And he's like, we'll do it tomorrow. He's like, no, we got to do this right now. We got it. You got to hear the song. We got to do the song now. And he gets up and they record the song in the home. And Merle goes back to bed. And the next morning he gets up and says, hey, let me listen to that song again. I'm not so sure I like what I put in there. And they said, we already shipped it off. <laughs> it's gone. Like we sent it off to Nashville or wherever it was their, their record label was. And that was on the, uh, the country music documentary that um oh uh, that came out on mp or on uh pbs oh the ken burns yeah one? the ken burns one a few years ago they had that story on there that's awesome uh cool story there yeah there's so much as i've been delving into willie's catalog and learning more about him part of the reason he's got 150 albums out there is because that's kind of how he rolls he shows up and he's there to record and he's going to knock out an album in almost no time and it's worked pretty well for him because yeah. Poncho and Lefty, I wouldn't change one single note or thing about that that song. Yeah, it's perfect the way it is. It's interesting how some of the greatest all time songs. There's so many of those stories where it was one take or it, we recorded it in the middle of the night. You know, you and I talked uh, on a previous episode about Gimme Shelter, right? And, right. Um, and her name escapes me now, but the the female Mary um, Mary Clayton. Yes, and that that just mind blowing story of what of how she was brought in the middle of the night and then the the personal pain that she went through as a result of it. But um, I did want to touch on you. You already named some of the other ones that were just on my list and I didn't go any further with it. Cause there's so many uh, you mentioned Pat green, uh, George Jones, buddy Holly, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. He, he did, didn't make my list, but there's, I mean, Buck Owens, Freddie King, Steve Miller, I love Steve Miller. Really? Band. I don't know he was from Texas. I, I didn't either until I was reading this. And there's nothing about Steve Miller band that screams Texas right. to me. But, uh, but yeah, from Texas. It's, I tell you, if you, and you can do this. If you're listening to this, Google just the Texas music artists like I did. And you probably, I may have done for this. Uh, and it's so interesting to find out how many different artists from there. You know, we joked at the top about uh, Beyonce and destiny's child and all that but it is kind of cool once you start looking at this this list in totality of all of these artists from all different walks of life so got, here's one article and i just thought this was so funny it does a countdown of the 100 greatest artists from texas as they rank them right and i just want to this trio back to back is so funny to me <coughs> ernest tub barry white and the butthole surfers <laughs> i mean come on what more do you want Oh, I'm sorry. I missed, I skipped one guy. Some guy named Vernon uh, Vernon Dahlhart. <laughs> I don't know who that is. The, the group, the Butthole Surfers, are from Texas. The Butthole Surfers checking in. Barry White just edged them out, but Butthole Surfers. I don't know Barry White was from Texas. I didn't either. I didn't either. Um, and you can go on and on. Ernest Hub, Billy Joe Shaver, oh, Lefty Frizzell, Gene Autry, T Bone Burnett, who's produced Delbert McClinton. There's there's. Erica Badu. It just goes really? on and on and on. Yeah, I didn't know that one. That's on this list. I'm going to have to research I got to that. meet Billy Joe Shaver. Really? Yeah. Uh, big fan. And, I mean, he, he wrote 
so many great songs and uh, albums. He was playing at um, what's the theater in Decatur? Oh man, um, I'd have to look it up. It, it was a random night in Eddie's attic. Eddie's attic. Okay. Eddie's attic. I was looking it up for you because okay, I'm like, so, okay. So they've got Eddie's attic, but they also have Eddie also owns another venue in Decatur. It's like the the Red Clay. Okay. Something or another. I can't remember. It's the only time I've ever been to this venue. But Eddie and I follow each other on Twitter, and they had put out that, hey, Billy Joe Shaver's playing this particular night. And I reached out to Eddie, and I said, I'd love to. I'm going to buy tickets to the show. I'd love to meet him if that's possible. He's like, 100%. Love to make that happen. Like, awesome. So we go to the show, and after the show, and it's a very small venue, and he takes me back around the stage, and there he is. I shake the hand that has the finger cut. He's got these his ring fingers, like it's half a finger or was. Yeah. Uh, I forgot how, I think lost it as a kid, maybe in a, I don't know, some farming equipment or something like that. But I got to shake that hand. I'm thinking, this guy's, this hand is, is shaking some of my hero's hands, you know, in country music. But he's real. And I mean, what I mean by that is he's just living it. And he's doing his thing, and then he goes out back, and he's got a 15-passenger van pulling a trailer. Oh, man. This is like 2016, 2015. So here he is. I don't know how old he was then. Had to have been in his late 70s because he passed here in the last two, three years, I'd guess. Look that up. See what year he passed. 2020. 2020. And how old was he? He was 81 years old. Okay, so when I met him, he's like 76, 77, and still doing it. And pulling his stuff from a 15-passenger Dodge van with a trailer full of guitars and equipment. And and just, it was just so authentic to me. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, this is so cool. And I got to meet, I got my picture with him. I, I tweeted it the day that he passed away because it made such an impact on me. I got to meet this guy who, number one, is extremely talented, wrote so many great songs, and then was also hanging with guys that I consider musical heroes of mine, which was just the coolest thing to me. And I, I mean, I think about, uh, I don't know if there's a more legendary story than the story of him shooting the guy in the bar <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and where he, the guy threatened him and he, Billy Joe pulled out his gun and he asked him, where do you want it? <laughs> and then he shot him. <laughs> the guy lived but it's just an amazing story. That's something you'd see in a Western. Yeah. That's something you'd see from the Wild West. And he pulls his gun out and asks the guy, where do you want it? And then plugged him. Um, <laughs> that's just so authentic and just so awesome to me. So he's, he certainly deserves a mention. All right. I just pulled that up, that story. So April 2nd, 2007, uh, Lorena, Texas. He was issued two. Okay, the shooting happened two days prior at Papa Joe's Texas Saloon in Lorena on March 31st, 2007, um, which Shaver shot a man, Billy Bryant Coker, there's a great name, in the face with a handgun. Uh, Coker's injuries, however, were not reported as life-threatening. Witnesses interviewed by police report hearing Shaver say, where do you want it? And then after the shot was fired, tell me you are sorry. And no one tells me to shut up. Coker told police the attack was unprovoked. Shaver's attorney declared that Shaver had shot Coker, quote, in self-defense after Coker threatened Shaver with a knife. All right. 
granted we don't have to but i i will bleep the word i'm about to say but i'm going to quote him directly because i just I, I just need to say this in an august 2014 NP, npr interview shaver said that he shot coker because he was quote such a bully and that quote i hit him right between a mother and a f- Uh, that was the end of that he dropped his weapons and said i'm sorry and i said well if you'd said that inside there would have been no problem that's amazing it's a legendary story the the van thing i thought of two things a being in your 70s and still doing it at that level where you're just you're on the road in a van not a tour bus a van I thought of, you know, I recently for a, a Braves podcast, I interviewed longtime Braves minor league manager, uh, Randy Engel. Oh, man. Man spent 40 years, over 40 years in the Braves organization, all in the minor leagues as a player and mostly as a coach or manager. And most of the minor league time was at single A or rookie Goodness. ball, some in double A. But he was riding the iron lung for decades. I, If you want to look up the definition of for love of the game, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. And even to, I was asking him a little bit about that. And he just kind of said, you know, baseball is in my blood. Uh, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's kind of where it started and what, how he was talking about it. And that was that kind of one of the first things that popped my mind is just if you're still in it and you're a lifer in it, it whether it's music or baseball or whatever, at, the, at that level and you're happy just to be there or to be at that level. I think that's a true love of what it is. That, it's love of the game, love of the the art in Billy Joe's case. Yeah. The other thing I thought of was I mentioned we were in our Bingham discussion, we were talking about how he won the uh, won an Oscar for best original song. The the Oscar that he won that the the movie that he won that for was the movie Crazy Heart. Yeah. Which Bingham is has a small part in that. Um, he and T Bone Burnett wrote the uh, the song The Weary Kind, which was the main song. Great soundtrack overall. It stars Jeff Bridges. If you haven't seen the movie, Such it's a good movie. It's a fantastic movie. Jeff Bridges plays an aging kind of Texas new mexico style uh country singer named bad blake that's his character's name and in the movie he's in his old like i don't even know what year that thing was like 79 bronco or suburban or whatever it is beating up driving from town to town with not even with a band just got his own gear and there's a band there waiting on him that's local guys that are there to play in bowling alleys and stuff and now in the in the movie it's a little bit he's also an alcoholic and he's really got nothing else he can do but keep trying to ride the wave but also you just get the sense that this is what the man is he's just he's out there existing still existing and living to play music even at his age and state in a in bowling alleys in new mexico you know for for 20 people or whatever and i just kind of had that thought of You've just got that. You've got to really love it yeah. to still be doing yeah. it at that age, at that particular level. Yeah. And I love that. That's and, great. And, and there are so many actual musicians who are exactly that and living. And, and you know, they haven't had a big hit in forever, but they're still drawing people because people remember how those songs from 20 years ago, 30 years ago made them feel. And, um, you know, if, if I think about that night. If, if Billy Joe Shaver had gotten on a big tour bus and taken off, I wouldn't have thought any less of him by any means. Um, but but it really stuck out to me seeing all that after and thinking, like, this is just a level of authenticity that I'm not sure you're going to see, especially for somebody who's been doing it for many years. If, if it's an up-and-comer, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. I know plenty of musicians are up-and-comers and, uh, up and, and they are trying to get there and they're getting to the next gig any way that they can, that kind of thing. But for a guy who has written for so many incredible artists and had his own songs that have been hits and things like that, and he's just hopping in that 
Ecoline van and driving the next stop. That's just a level of authenticity that just blew me away. That's for a great. Guy in his seventies. That's awesome. But yeah, I'll have to find those pictures and, and show it to you because I, I took a picture of the van too. Oh, I got it awesome. somewhere, and I don't know where it is, but I'll find it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, we well we've got. Uh, I think this was such a success that now we can do the other forty nine states. <laughs> right. So coming up, New Hampshire. <laughs> I'll throw Puerto Rico in there too. <laughs> right. Let's see what how we can we can, how far we can take this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. been good. Hang on. All right. I'm, I'm going to Google this. Most famous New Hampshire artist. Let's see what happens here. <laughs> Ronnie James Dio. Come Let's on. go. Come on. He's from New Hampshire. Apparently so. Oh, Ray LaMontagne. Okay. I like him. I've, I've seen him in concert before. Really? Yeah. Ray LaMontagne? He's great. Yeah. So I'm at the Beacon Theater in New York. Oh, oh, that's awesome. He's one I need to do. The, the guy willing in the Creek don't rise album. I freaking love that album. I don't know that I've listened to anything else of his, and I need to because that one album I, I really, really enjoy. All right, number one on this list is Mandy Moore, uh, <laughs> just ahead of Ray LaMontagne and Ronnie James Dio. We could do an episode. It might be about 15 minutes long, but we could do it. I think we just did it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going through the rest of these, and I don't even All right, know. just out of curiosity. Um, if you had to rank the top three artists from your home state, oh God, who would they be? Just give, give people an idea of who's big from where you're from. Uh, I'll tell you one, and I know you don't like him, and I'm not saying that they would necessarily be among my favorites, but in terms of success, I mean, Dave Matthews band is pretty massive. Patsy Klein would be on yeah, there cause she's just 100%. an all time great. Um, there's, you know, if you're in, if you're in the hip hop side of things, there's, there's, there's a few guys, there's, I don't know, Pharrell, Missy Elliott going back a little bit. I did not realize Ella Fitzgerald was from Virginia. I'm just now learning that Roy Clark. Of course, if you, if you grew up watching Hee Haw at all in your grandparents house, like I did, you'd know Roy Clark. <laughs> Guar, the heavy metal band. Guar. <laughs> I would not put them in there. Good, no disrespect. But by I the way, not. I found the picture. I know our listeners can't see. Oh, that, that is awesome. Me and Billy Joe. I love it. Isn't that great? Man, he just looks. He's that's the real deal there too. Yeah. Oh, that's great. He's what got a great on picture. a. He's got on a, a denim button-up shirt, a denim jacket, and blue jeans. So it's like a wall of denim. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Uh, okay, I'm going to run through some Virginia ones. All right, my personal favorite is um, I. This was my first favorite uh, artist as a kid, and we'll get into it in our. I'll I'll give a full breakdown in our concert first concerts episode. Uh-huh. Uh Ricky Van Shelton, I good one. Yeah, still love. We talked about that not early '90s country. I still to this day can listen to Ricky Van Shelton and uh, and and love it. Statler Brothers can't remember from Old Crow Medicine Show. Pat Benatar, I did not know it was from Virginia. Steve Earle from Virginia. Um, Ralph Stanley, the great Ralph Stanley. Oh, I know you like the Carter family. Or you, yeah, yeah. Carter family's yep. from Virginia. This one blows my mind. I had never heard this until right now. Stuart Copeland, drummer from the police. Really? Born in Alexandria, Virginia, which is northern Virginia. So that's a D.C. suburb, if you're not familiar with Virginia. Is, is Sting British? He is, right? That's my, I just. Aren't the other two, the other two guys in the, I'm, I'm questioning myself now. Not, I like some police songs. I, I'm never been big into Sting or, yeah. Okay. Sting's British. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting how they might have met up. Yeah. Yeah. There's some random ones, man. Mary Chapin Carpenter, Bruce Hornsby from Virginia. 
Uh, I feel like I'm missing one bit. If you're current, like in metal bands in the last 20 years, I've never been big into this band, but they are well liked. Uh, Lamb of God, they've had a two decades long mm-hmm. career. Uh, Wes Borland from uh, Limp Biz- Biscuit. Wow. Uh, from Roanoke, Virginia, just south of me. I did know this one. Uh, Wayne Newton. That's from, a good one. From, uh, from, I only know the one song and I always forget how to pronounce it. Dunka. Dunka Shay. Dunka. Yeah. yeah. Whatever the hell that is. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't whatever spell the, it. Yeah. Me either. So. Don't want to play it. No. No. So best for my, I mean, I just named a bunch there, but for me, Ricky Van, there's all the, there's some pretty awesome classic country yeah. patsy klein carter family yeah mississippi mississippi is like oh we're loaded you're friggin loaded yeah we're kind of loaded i mean elvis is we at got the some top guy named elvis yeah that's a good one to start off with that's a good ace to you, go out there for i'm gonna wager a guess don't get me wrong there's some artists on my list here that i've i love ricky van i like some of these other ones but i'm i'm gonna guess mississippi <laughs> beats the pants off well, we can, unfortunately for me um because the the blues uh, the Delta Blues artists. There's so many. I mean, Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, um, John Lee Hooker, uh, Sunhouse. All these guys are from Mississippi. Um, Elvis Presley, Conway Twitty, Faith Hill, uh, Tammy Wynette. I forgot Faith Hill was Mississippi. There are two guys from the coast that were born in Mississippi, but would probably claim elsewhere. Jimmy Buffett's one. I'm not the biggest Jimmy Buffett guy, but... Obviously, wildly popular, and then Chris Ledoux. I love Chris Ledoux. He was born in the on in Biloxi, but I think went to Wyoming or Montana at a young age. I would. I did not know he was born in Mississippi. He was definitely yeah. a cowboy from out west. Yeah, is how I yeah. perceived him yeah. to be. I think his father was in the military, and I think he was born in Biloxi, but ended up being a Jimmy Rogers. Oh, Jimmy Rogers wow. is from Meridian, which yeah. is where I'm from. Uh, or is where where I was born. I'm from Madison, but. Uh, well, Jason Mraz is from Virginia, Ben. So <laughs> put that in your Mississippi pipe and smoke it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are good ones. Um, this is fun, man. It is. There are some at the top of Virginia's list that are pretty damn good. No, at least good. in classic country. Yeah. No, right. those are good. Those are good. Uh, at some point, we'll get into a full breakdown of Dave Matthews. <laughs> Robert Johnson's from Mississippi. Oh, yeah. He is, right? Um, I've, I know he's. Yeah, Hazelhurst. Okay, Where I knew did, that. I knew he was had Mississippi Delta. I didn't wasn't sure if he was born there. The, the, yeah, he was. The incident at the crossroads. Did that happen in Mississippi? Allegedly, yeah. it yeah. did. Right. Okay. Uh, there's some debate as to where the actual crossroads were. the The current monument is in Clarksdale, which is where Highway 49 and Highway 61 intersect. And at the time. The, the crossroads were dirt roads, obviously, but there are there are a couple of gurus out there who have done their homework, and this one guy says it's over here, and the other guy says it's over there, and I think there's some speculation as to where the actual crossroads were. Okay. It's a good legendary story. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Very nice. Yeah, so that's been uh, been a good episode. This has yeah. been fun to dig into the, the Texas music scene and list some of our favorites from a place that number one, they have so many great musicians, but number two, they're awfully proud and they should be of the musicians they've produced over the years. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said earlier, man, this was, I very much enjoyed this just because it was a topic that I had never would have never thought about before. And it's fun to, when we have these discussions in music to frame it in a, in a way or pose the question in a way that maybe you haven't thought about before and mm-hmm. the challenges you'd mm-hmm. think about, 
the artists themselves that you would pick, but then how they relate to the the location in this this case or the topic the, itself. So yeah, this is fun. It is. And uh, we said our next episode. What did we say? The top, top ten, 10 the day we were born, dude. That's gonna be fun. It's gonna be hysterical. I I I don't remember. I've looked. I don't remember the rest of the top ten. I know the top. I when I looked it up, there's no forgetting <laughs> the song that's at the top of the list for me. We are going to have a blast with that one. Can't wait. Yeah. Well, that'll be good. That'll be our next episode. And uh, till then, he's Ricky. I'm Ben. And this has been the Yeehaw Junction Podcast. Yeehaw.